Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, in keeping with our string of talking to people who were known by a single name, this week's guest is Jason Rowe, who back in the 90s recorded under the name Jai. He only, to my knowledge until recently, had put out one album in 1997 called Heaven, and it featured this song, I Believe, which was a a moderate hit on alternative radio. This is one of my favorite songs of any era, especially of the 90s. It's so sexy and so spooky and so good. I've always loved this song. He refers to himself as sort of Portishead meets Prince, which I think is the perfect description for his sound. I've always wondered whatever happened to him because until recently this was all I ever knew that he had done. He just sort of disappeared. Come to find out, he released a second album in 2006 called Love Life under his real name, Jason Rowe, which is why I didn't even know it existed until recently. I'm still getting to know that one. So this was really me wanting to track down somebody I've always been curious about and hopefully share some of his music with you. Hopefully you hear some things, if you didn't already know them, that you like it and you seek it out. Also, Jason is one of these guys, one of the guests that I love, who doesn't hold back. He's opinionated, he doesn't pull any punches, we talk about what went wrong with his career, we talk about what he's been doing ever since, he still pays his bills through music, which is pretty amazing when you consider he's recorded two fairly obscure albums in 20 years, but yet he still makes it work. I'm really happy for him, I've always liked him a lot. He called me from his home in London. Well, I always kind of kick these things off then with how I discover the person I'm talking to because I'm typically okay. looking out for people who are maybe a little more obscure. I hope that word doesn't yep. bother you. No, uh, not at all. Good. Well, I remember very specifically seeing the I Believe video on VH1 a few times back in 97 and being yep. so taken with that song. And yep. so I immediately bought the album. And it's one of those albums that I don't know if you can relate to this, but anytime I ever see it, in a used shop, I always want yeah. to buy it again, just because right, okay. I want to make sure that it's like found a good home, you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. with someone who will love it. And so it still means a lot to me. I've always loved it, and I've always wondered where you went. This might sound kind of boring, but I'm curious how the the party line on you is that you were in a club somewhere and you were shooting the breeze with a guy named Joel about the state of music, yeah. and you thought you could do better, and you went out and you did. Now, is that yeah. true? How did, what's the reality of that? How did that really um, happen? The, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's actually an interesting story. Firstly, I come from a small town in okay. Somerset it's, uh, in the West Country. Funnily enough, it's the same town that PJ Harvey comes from. Oh, and wow. So we had quite a vibrant music scene there, kind of towards the end of the 80s. And I was playing with her first band. We had a band together. And I was friends with her and we just sort of used to hang out at this recording studio. And once she started sort of kicking off, there wasn't really much time for the other the guys that were in her band and my band to be in two bands. So they sort of went off. There was, there was no business or anything. It was just, sure. I thought I have to get out of my hometown now because there wasn't really anything other than that music scene going on. So as soon as I moved to London, I went to college to study performing arts, basically oh. just as a, a vehicle to meet other musicians with the idea of getting a band together. So I got a band together with a couple of guys 
uh, that were um, studying the same thing as I was, we would, did this gig at this, it was like an Irish bar that had like a stage out the back in Shepherd's mm-hmm. Bush. And um, it was a it was a weird place because the venue itself was absolutely massive, but it only ever had five people in it. It was I don't know how they managed to keep it going. Anyway, the 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 band that were headlining, we were just doing a support, was a band that Joel was in. Was it a band we so, would know? Um, no, they were like they were called the Good Strawberries. I seem to remember. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he sort of had his fingers in a few different pies. He was. You know, he's been in the music industry for years before okay. that, since punk, basically. He was a oh. he was in a few punk bands. Um, he played with Adam Ant early on in Adam Ant's career. Um, he played with a singer called Toya, who sure. was quite big. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know whether he was that big. I do big know Toya. States, I don't know but... if you know this. I interviewed Phil Spaulding a few, oh, weeks, yes, a few months ago, who played on your album. Yeah. That's one of the other ways yeah. I think we got connected. Yeah, well, it's actually great to hear that Phil's still okay because he had a, a yep. sort of battle with drugs for a while. I'm sure you spoke yep. about it. We did. Uh, it's he's great to know that he, Yeah, it's he's so amazing. I yep. mean, when we recorded our album, uh, when we were recording Heaven, he was going he was going through uh, withdrawal for, for really? like about the fifth or sixth time he tried to come off of it. So. He played a lot of that album, you know, suffering yeah. <laughs> quite a we, lot, I guess. It we talked about you and that album on his podcast, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Working with him was a great experience. I mean, and so I met Joel that night. We started talking about music. And in within this band, I, I used to do a cover of Summertime. It was quite a nice cover of the song. And that's what made Joel sort of sit up and... Take okay. notice. So, so you were the we singer start, in this band, by the way. Yeah, and and okay. and the 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 sort of predominant songwriter. But it was sort of coming to an end, mainly because we were coming to the end of our course at uh, college, and also some of them were leaving, you know. And I was kind of like, I need to do something else. And so we just started talking, and I didn't like him as a person. He thinks his way is right, and there's uh, no other. Sure. Absolutely no other way. And obviously, at the time, he's probably older than me. Yeah, and he was um, more experienced in the music industry than you were. Yeah, so, he was He, he was more experienced. As it turns out, not as experienced as I thought he was after I'd gained experience. Looking back at it now, you know, you, you mm-hmm. when you're going through all of this, if it's the first time you've ever had any sort of fame thrown at you, you're like a scared animal, you know, it's sure. like a rabbit in the headlights and you're running around and you don't really take time to sort of sit down and really analyze what's going on or yeah. analyze how certain people are treating you. You just sort of go along with it. So the process of working with him was quite difficult. He used to get me to sing to the point where I was dropping in. I mean, this is the days when you were dropping in on tape, right? And he would drop me in for like two words. Mm. And uh, I wasn't singing out of tune. You know, I do pride myself on the fact that I actually can sing. Sure, and, sure can. yeah. <laughs> but it right. was almost like a sort of, t- it was like a torturous huh. thing. He, what he was trying to do was keep my feet on the ground. But right. instead of doing that, w- what he should have realized is that my feet were on the ground anyway. 
And okay. I didn't really give a shit about fame or any of that. All I wanted to do was write songs and sing. Right. That's okay. all I wanted to do. So let me and, ask uh, you this. Oh, no, please finish your thought. Then I got no, 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 no. So you carry on, carry on. Okay, well, away. so would he have been considered maybe your musical partner? Or was he sort of a mentor? He wasn't a mentor. He was a he musical was... partner. I'd already okay. had mentors in my life. I'd already okay. worked with John Parrish, um, who now obviously works closely with PJ, and okay. Rob Ellis, yep. who was also the drummer in PJ's first band. Mm-hmm. And another guy who's a sound engineer, who owns the studio in Yeovil that I used to hang out at. I'd already done a lot. By that point, I'd been in bands. I'd sung live in, in okay. places where you couldn't hear yourself. Sure. I'd, I'd, I had perfected, or as much as anyone can, perfected yeah. my art, if you like. Okay, okay. And I, what I didn't need was somebody that was trying to you know, keep my feet on the ground. But it was, it, it, in his mind, that's what he had to do. Yeah, And okay. the rest of the band that we took out on the road, they were all sort of my age, and he would do it to them, mm. but there was no need to do it because they were all, you right. know, lovely guys. We weren't, yeah. we weren't assholes at all. So he's viewing himself as this kind yeah. of wise old sage, like, come with yeah. me, young lads, yeah. let me show you the ropes. And you're yeah. like, wait a minute, I know what I'm doing. I've been in music for a while. I've got yeah. a vision here. But it sounds like you two were also sort of dependent on one another. Maybe you saw in one another maybe your your ticket to maybe the next level, you know? Like, this is a guy yeah. who can help me, you know, streamline yeah. my vision and fulfill it Absolutely. and get me to that. Okay, okay. Absolutely. But maybe but that I, process I, I, wasn't I, comfortable or easy for either of you. I, I think that he um, was surprised when I ended the, the, the relationship with him. Uh, when did that relationship um, end? Was it during the, over uh, the course of producing that album or going on uh, tour? No, or no, we went on tour. And we did a fairly extensive tour of the state, which oh. was amazing. And once we'd signed directly with RCA Records, because we were on an independent over here to start mm-hmm. with, the album never came out over here because America kind of took over. Like every, uh, oh. they, like RCA loved the album. Yes. And they just, they basically said, we've got to have this. So we spent a lot of time in the States and then toured around. And then I decided to stay in New York because I loved it so much. Right. I had a good work visa so I could stay there. Right. It works differently at radio in the States because it's such a massive place. Sure. Um, you can work a single, for instance, for like five mm-hmm. months. You know, mm-hmm. you can really, they really work it at radio for a long time. So we were in the position where I believe was, we'd done a four-month tour, I believe, had started to come to the end of its its cycle. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about what single we do next. Now, I had my own vision. I'll never forget, I was in a meeting with, you know, all of the heads, the sure. head of A&R, marketing, all the rest of it, and they had their vision, and they thought the song Heaven uh-huh. could be the next single, and I disagreed. I said, the song is fine, but the reason for the song originally was to be sort of fairly light relief mm. on an otherwise fairly deep record. Something on my mind All I have given 
Came right in the middle of the album. The rest of the tracks are kind of more brooding. So my thing was that, in general, if you release a really like light, poppy, airy song after releasing something like I Believe, well, uh, what you're trying to do is to build the persona of an art of the artist. Good right? point. Yes, you're you right. You want to release something that is the same or has a similar vibe to I Believe. Yes. So I yeah. I was thinking Wishing the Rain Away or even Cry Me a River. Interesting. And, Wishing the Rain um, Away is my second favorite song on that album, by the way. The sun is gone in my life. I wait too long. Could it be the time we understand? It has to end oh. Going down the race is on to save the day to make it up for ourselves. We try to make a love feel like heaven. Wishing the rain away to try and make a better day. Wishing the rain away until I find. How they did it in Japan is they released Wishing the Rain Away after, I believe, but they didn't do a video for it because once yeah. the shine wears off, right, once the shine right. starts wearing off, you go from being the best thing they've ever seen to sure. sort of not being that. <laughs> and right. I got bullied, basically, into putting Heaven out. And mm. funnily enough, ironically, it did not perform anywhere near as good at radio because all the radio programmers, all the DJs around the country that we'd gone to, played little acoustic shows at, you know, did this whole schmoozing with, they didn't understand why this song was a single when I believe sure. it had been so, such a deep record. It's like Porter said, releasing some ridiculous poppy yes, fierce exactly. thing. Exactly, yes. 
which direction is this guy going? One minute we hear exactly. something dark and brooding, the next minute is something light and airy. Who is exactly. this guy exactly? And if there's no common thread here, maybe we don't pay any attention to him. Exactly. Now, the, the yeah. interesting thing about all of this is that Joel, before the meeting with Bill these heads, where we were going to decide whether we were going to release heaven or not, turned to me and said, oh, we don't want to release heaven, we want to do something else, I'm with you, blah, blah, blah. We get into the meeting, and he does a complete 180. Ah, uh, uh, he sold and, out. And I'm the only one in the room that's standing up for it. And And as soon as heaven wasn't a hit, I knew that the writing was on the wall. Right. I knew that anything I did after that, whether it be absolute genius or not, uh-huh. that they were never going to like it. Yeah, momentum has stalled. It's completely yeah. stalled. They started sending me out with all these different writers and producers. And so every time I came back with something that I believed to be really good, I started working with people, a guy called Greg Wells, and I wrote songs with Louise Goffin, and they were brilliant songs you know i was very very proud of them yeah we started working on a second album in los angeles and the where six is that material did, uh well I'll, I'll come to that oh okay um, sorry uh, <laughs> oh no look it, it, it so we went into did the song they sounded amazing we had incredible string arrangements all this stuff and um i'd written with some incredible people a guy called dominic miller who plays sure. guitarist i wrote a couple of songs with him, a few songs with Greg Wells, a couple of songs with Charlotte Cathy from the Go-Go's. Sure, And I was having yeah. a whale of a time. And they were all saying, this stuff is amazing. It's going to get on radio, no problem, except for the record company. Oh. They were having none of it. What? So, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, You've got uh, these names. I mean, granted, Charlotte no. Cathy and Dominic Miller aren't necessarily yeah. household names, but they're respected oh. names in the industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They respected me, which was the most important thing out of all of this, because sure. I thought to myself... They thought they you were worth working with. Yeah, exactly. I did a duet with Katie Lang. You, you right? did? <laughs> yeah, right? What? And they didn't want to have any of it. And all that just sitting out there somewhere? Yeah. Oh. And it was, it was her band, so it was Abe Laboria Jr. on drums, David... Smith, I think, or something on bass. It it was incredible musicians. Anyway, wow, they weren't having any of it. And I said, I thought to myself, okay, this is obviously starting to go yeah. the way, you know. Yeah. And so, as an experiment, I decided to go and work with these really poppy guys who make like Max Martin type pop records. Oh, okay. okay. Uh huh. And I thought to myself, everything everything I gave to my A&R guys, like, nah, it's not quite what we're looking for. So I thought, right, I'll go and experiment here. Because what A&R guys do, first of all, every single record company, especially the majors, are always 10 years out of date. Every, oh, always. Totally. Yeah. Exactly 10 years. They had no idea what they were doing with iTunes, no idea about nope. the Spotify. They haven't got a clue what they're doing, right? So remember that. Yeah. And um, I was giving this material to this A&R guy, and he would not tell me what he wanted, right? He he would not tell me because he doesn't uh, want to so frustrating. be the one that, is, uh-huh. that makes a mistake. It, it has to be the artist that makes the mistake. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I'm telling you, every single time, it's never the artist that makes the mistake. Nope. It's nope. always the record label that makes the mistake. <laughs> 
Right. Always. Right? Uh-huh. Now, I'm not saying artists are perfect, but no, if they know but... what they're trying to do, they're more sure. likely to have their ear to the ground because yep. they go out socializing. And all my friends that are musicians are all the same. They're always listening for new music, new ways yep. to create music, new ways to record it, always, right? Yeah, yeah. So, as an experiment, I went and worked with these poppy guys and did this pop song, and I hated it. It was horrible, right? <laughs> and I thought to myself, I want to get an idea from him what he thinks I am. Uh-huh. So, we took it to took it to uh, him, and he loved it. Of course, right. And it was a horrific <laughs> Celine Dion <laughs> Oh, no. Horrific. Because I wanted to find out what they were actually looking for. Basically, what they were looking for was me to be a Michael Buble, male Celine Dion, bad lyrics, probably most of the songs not written by myself, just me performing them. Right? And that's Uh, not what I am at all. No. So the magic, to me, of your album, I was going to say your first album, unfortunately one of your only albums, but is that sort of blend of trip-hop and um, yeah. I think I read somewhere you called it Portishead and Prince, which is perfect. Yeah. That's the perfect yeah. description of what your music is. Yeah. And but they So they sign you based on the strength of what you're putting out, but then when yeah. the second album comes around, they want to, you to completely do a 180. We don't want you to do what you've been doing that you're good at. We want to mold you into a lounge singer, basically, yeah. because you've got the yeah. high falsetto and you're wearing the suit. Yeah. Right? Bad Is that the thinking? Bad, bad, bad songs and bad artwork. Yeah. That was basically yeah. what they were thinking. And the thing was that they were, were originally, it was all about developing me. Now, I, unfortunately, for, for the artists that are starting now, my year, you know, anywhere from sort of 95 to sort of 99 was the last it sure was. bunch was of it. guys that, that would get that get developed yeah after yeah. that no one got developed it was all thrown at the wall see if it sticks and if it does we'll make a record yeah, yeah. so that you know it, it there there is none of that now you got one chance right and if you're lucky it's it, frustrating it, you know it can be yeah. half a chance and it is frustrating but let me let me say this I'm not bitter about any of it because I went on and did other things um, musically. And, See, now that's um, what I want to know is some of those other things. But I want to talk to you. Yeah. I want to ask you a few questions about this other stuff first, and then I want to get to that. Yeah. First of all, the first thing that's coming to my mind is that second album that never came out, was mm. that similar uh, in that same sort of a trip-hop, Portishead-like vibe? It had that doing vibe. Something very different? It, okay. It had that vibe. Um, it was a bit more organic. Okay. So we were using a lot more live drummers, a lot okay. more live drumming. It was lusher in okay. sound, um, wow. but we had, we still had the crackle, and the, it was, it was moving on. It wasn't. Okay. It was an advance. Completely. It, it wasn't completely different. It was just okay. a progression from. Uh, that's what I thought it was anyway. Okay. Okay. Do you still have any of that material? I mean, is it just well, sitting in a... Well, funny enough, it actually came out on an album with my own, with my real name about uh, 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah, okay, so that, but, okay, so I only just discovered that album the other yeah. day. I didn't even know that album ever came out. 
So that album is that material. Some of it, but it was re-recorded. Oh, so okay. I had because because time had gone on, uh, and and times were different. It needed to be a slightly different sort of sound. It still has the elements in there. The the songs that um, I didn't have the Katie Lang um, duet because all those masters you see were owned by RCA. Uh, so I had to re-record sort okay. of pretty much everything. So a lot of the songs on there were re-recorded. And then I came out to L.A. and started working with a guy called Jim Huff, who's a Canadian songwriter and producer. And um, I wrote another couple of songs with Louise Goffin, who's a good friend of mine. So we just we oh, stayed cool. in touch since, okay. all, since all of that. Uh, right. since, since the split up with RCA and all of that, we stayed friends. I worked on her album... Sometimes a circle. Oh, came out in oh, '99. She rattles a change in her purse. And buys a little something to make her feel worse. She's got a boyfriend in Brooklyn. He's got a wife in Manhattan. The summertime comes. It's hotter than heaven. Up mascara at the 7 Eleven. There's a lot going on, but nothing happening. Make her acquaintance, she's high maintenance. Sometimes the circle feels like a direction. did a lot of backing vocals, some production, sort of co-production work um, on it. And then I came back to London for a little while after I got dropped by RCA. And then I moved to Berlin. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first of all, let me ask you one or two more questions about the early days. So um, your voice is so unique and gorgeous, obviously. Forgive me if this is a really ignorant question. Is that your natural singing voice, or yes. is that that's the okay? So the high, the sort of high falsetto, that is what comes out of you naturally. That's not something that you sort of 
who I like. This yeah. kind of like Barry Gibb with his falsetto that he used in, you know, during the disco yeah. period. I mean, so it's, I it's more, na- yeah, it's more natural, I think, to me probably than it is for somebody like Barry Gibb, even though, you know, he did a lot of that stuff. It, yeah. it kind of, I mine comes from a place of like. You know Al Green and and Marvin sure. Gaye and Prince. I mean uh, Prince obviously is is probably yeah. my biggest. Prince and David Bowie are my two biggest influences. Which makes 2016 pretty much the suckiest year yeah, <laughs> on record. I, I got so to I interview did... Carlos Alomar recently. Uh, Bowie's guitarist. He was on yeah. here and we talked about that too. Anyway, go what ahead. A great, what a great guitarist as well. Yeah, the best. So it it was, not, you know, when you get brought up and you're listening to that music all the time, you sort of naturally, as your voice starts kind of breaking as a teenager, mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you sort of, when you're trying to sing, and I was, you know, trying to sort of sing like the people that I loved, that's all it really was. That, the, you know, that okay, sure. the influences that I had and the music that I was listening to at the time influenced to how I was going to sing. So it is yep. natural. Okay. I, it, I went to, actually went to a throat doctor probably about 10 years ago. I was doing a gig um, in Germany and I had just got a little bit of a, like a fluey type bug. And I uh-huh. went to this throat doctor to see if he could give me something because it was like a showcase gig. And he actually said that the, my uh, vocal cords are actually slightly tilted, oh. which is how why I can sing the way I do. Really? It, this, that, yeah. Who knew? That was even a thing. Other, yeah, and I didn't either. Wow. So that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So I was quite interested by that. It's never really been a, a difficulty for me to sing that high. I've never had to put it on. It just comes out like no, that. No, that's what, that's what I want to know. Okay, so that's your yeah. natural thing. Yeah, it okay. just comes out like that, yeah. So let me ask you something else. Now, it sounds like you had it in mind from a young age that you wanted to be a professional musician. That was always yeah. the plan, right? Okay. Yeah. So this is something that I uh, I try to focus on with most of my interviews with people uh, because I, found the tr- I find the transitions really interesting, that yeah. there's got to be a time in your life where maybe that's what you want to have happen, but you also have a regular job, you know, as a janitor, or whatever, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. you pay your bills. And then suddenly yeah. it it breaks, and you become a rock star for a while, and that's yeah. your job. But then that ends, and then you got to transition back into normal life. So what yeah. were you doing before you became a professional musician, where that's where you paid your bills? What what were you doing before that? Before I moved to London, I was working in uh, record stores, okay, uh, in my okay. hometown. Okay, and then that's when a pretty I first yeah, when I first moved to London, there was a I had a couple of sort of night jobs, you know, like a security officer okay. in a sure. like right in the centre of London. That mm-hmm. was horrific, twelve-hour shift. Well, then I went to college, and at the time, okay. the government were doing a scheme where you could, you could um, what we call over here, you get kind of welfare. It's called signing on. So uh-huh. you, you, I would sign on, and the government were coming up with a scheme so you could get more qualifications. They would pay you to basically go to college part time, okay. and then you would have to find part time jobs. But most people just went to the college, and they allowed you to go there for a couple of years, and then you'd have to get a job. Okay. And then within that couple of years, I got signed. So that, and that, was, that, that was always the plan, even when you were going to college. It was 
just you finding yeah. your time until you became a professional yeah. musician. The two words professional musician are actually the way that I like to say it because pretty early on after I got signed, I, I pretty much I realized I didn't want to be famous. Oh, Quite really? Early. Why? It's never really interested me, that whole thing. Huh. And when we first got signed to RCA in New York, it was all schmoozing, meeting celebrities, going right. out to parties, the right. label taking us to strip clubs because they thought that's what we wanted and it was right. the last thing I wanted to do. Just kind of the bullshit. Yeah. The, you know, the game. And, and yeah, you got to play again, that game. The game. And, then the, and also the fact that when the shine wears off, all these compliments and bullshit that the label and media are sort of throwing at you just disappears. It's like it was never there in the first place because they only yep. like you when you're, you know, the new yep. thing on the block. Yep. And I was getting compared to Smokey Robinson and all sorts of stupid things. Right. You know, it's it's flattering. Yep. And as soon as you start believing the hype and the shit, it's over. Quite early on, I thought this, this is you. utter bullshit. <laughs> I liked the attention. I, you know, I can't say that I didn't because if you say you you, you didn't, you're, you're lying. Well, who and, wouldn't? Right? So, who wouldn't want to be touted like that as yeah. doing something special? Sure. And the rock star lifestyle can be very tempting and all the rest of it, but at the end of all of that, I just thought all I want to do is write music. That that's what I want to do. I don't want to deal with the 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 game. I don't want to yeah. deal with morons i just want to sit in a studio or sit in a uh, you know play mm -hmm. music live uh, in any kind of venue i don't care right um and write and record music so from, that have from included writing on, music for other people well i ended up doing i have i have done that yeah since, okay okay um mainly for german artists oh really so because oh, when i moved to berlin I was getting more and more into electronic music and had a project with a couple of friends and that actually fell through, but it led to me getting a, a record deal with this indie label in Berlin called 4Music, mm. which is a whole nother story. But it gave me the opportunity just to be a songwriter and then they wanted to release a solo album and the whole sort of wheels started up again. Wow, did it come out? Yes, it did, but it didn't do anything for a couple of reasons. <laughs> One, the label that I'd signed to just almost on, to the day that I signed the contract, immediately then went and signed their label over to Sony. <laughs> oh, and, oh man. and the last thing I wanted to do was be on a major label. Yes. All of a sudden, I'm on a major label. This particular label had only ever done hip-hop, um, electronic music, and they were trying to go global. So I was the first mm. artist that, that signed with them, and they let me do the album all on my own, pretty much. Um, there were problems with that, uh, with the guy that I was recording with. Lovely, lovely guy, but... Um, as we got into the process, he started drinking more and more heavily, oh oh and I had to re-record things. Anyway, uh, he's not—he's he's completely cool guy. Nothing, you know. He's very talented. He's a cool guy. But there, were, it, it just got towards the end of the sessions. 
started getting longer and yeah. I had to, you know, I had three studios on the go at one point where I was recording vocals in one and then editing drums in another and doing, mm. yeah, so it got a little bit hairy there, but because they had never had like a indie songwriter artist, if you like, mm. um, they'd only ever dealt with electronic music or hip hop, they didn't get separate radio pluggers. So oh, they sure. had experience okay. with radio stations that played, yeah. you know, that kind of music. So they wanted they would you on their kit. label, but they didn't know what to do with you once they had you. Exactly. They weren't so used it, to that, doing that. Yeah. So that that was that fell through right. much quicker than the, than okay. the heaven thing, and it was just it, it the label then folded, sure. and it and Sony just took in all the big artists that they had, and right. that was sort of the end of that, really. It wasn't, so let me uh, clarify one thing then. As far as I have known up until recently, there is only the Jai Heaven album, yeah. and that's it. And that's all I've ever known that you've ever done. Now, in preparation for talking to you, I discovered the Love Life album under your own yeah. name that came yeah. out in 2007, I believe. Yeah. And now you're saying that there's also a third album that came out just in Germany? Is I know, that, right? that is the Love Life album. That oh, is. Love Life is the one we're talking about. Okay, yeah. and that's the one that um, has that leftover Dominic Miller, Charlotte Caffey. Yeah. Some of that material is on that album. That material, okay. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Now, is um, that it's a it? good record. Are those the only two? I tried to yeah, put there's did... two songs on YouTube, and that's all I could find. Stop all the paper. Crossword is finished, but there's something missing. But all my windows are singing a lonely song. But I am longing for a whisper to come. And did a couple of remixes uh, uh, around I started getting into that a little bit there's a track uh, out there uh, Gina X um, oh. which was an old late 70s kind of uh, disco punk record which I did a remix with a couple of friends of mine called the Psychonauts um, oh. they were signed to XL and I did a track on their album Songs for Creatures, I think it's called. And okay. I did a, a, a song on there. And then I produced two tracks on a German hip-hop album. Um, they're basically the Beastie Boys of Germany. They're called Die Fantastischen oh. Vier. Oh. They're called, which is called, the, it translates into Fantastic Four. 
and they're oh, like a it. big hip hop band. And so I produced two songs for them. Wie lange ist das jetzt her? War das ein anderes Leben? Denn ich weiß nichts mehr von dir, außer was wir erleben. Hab keine Ahnung, was du machst oder wo du jetzt bist. Weiß nicht, wen du vermisst und war das jemals ich? Hab noch irgendwo eine Nummer, doch was hilft mir die schon? Das mit uns beiden war noch leider vor Mobiltelefon. Und es wär's noch die gleiche, ich glaube, ich würde es nie wagen. Denn wenn ich dich erreiche, was soll ich dir denn sagen? Dachte ewig, das Mail uns hat sich schon ewig erledigt. Doch jetzt denk ich mir in mir nicht zurück und versteh nicht, war es ein wenig zu viel oder was nur viel zu wenig. Sag mal, geht das nur mir so oder geht es dir ähnlich? Glaubst du nicht, dass das mit uns was ganz Besonderes war und dass wir beide nur zu jung waren, um das schon zu erahnen? Glaubst du nicht, dass das mir leid tut, was ich alles gesagt hab? Bitte dich um Verzeihung, selbst wenn du nicht drauf wartest. Würd dir gern sagen, vieles damals konnte ich noch nicht verstehen. Hab das Gefühl, wir beide sollten uns wiedersehen. Hätt noch so viel zu bereden. There's just been other little electronic music okay. things. Couple of songs in, I have one uh, new track that is in a movie called Downhill. The uh, movie is called Downhill? Movie. Yeah. Sitting in a white hot garden The kings and queens and jacks all passing They try to find a way to stay afraid Just a tonic to heal and soothe it Why do we choose to use it? There is still a part of me believes And I see what I see Are these under is, Jai or are they under Jason Rowe? This was under Jason Rowe. Rowe, Rowe. 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 Yeah, okay. Rowe. Okay, so this might be a really ignorant question again, but so have you been able to, not to sound insensitive, have you been able to pay your bills as yeah. a professional musician since 1995 or whenever it was that you in, got discovered in, as Jai? In in, yeah, in one form or another. Okay. I either okay. made enough money that I could live for a while without do it, worrying about it, and I just topped it up by doing gigs. When I first got dropped from RCA, I decided that I needed to get out and play again. Um, yeah. One of the weird things about signing to major record labels is you, if you've got an album to to promote or whatever, you go out. You don't write. You don't. It's a very strange thing. You just sort of in this whirlwind, and you just sort of like go along with it for six months. And I didn't write anything, so I came back. I started writing again. I started playing out, and then I discovered that I could make actually fairly good money by going out and playing covers. So what oh. I cover version. So what I did yeah. is I got my acoustic guitar. I learned three, four hours of my favorite songs. Right, so that's all uh -huh. that I would play. I wouldn't play crowd pleasers, although a lot of them were. 
because I played the Beatles and Marvin Gaye and sure, Stevie Wonder sure. and Smokey Robinson and the Prince and Radiohead, all these songs. <laughs> and I discovered that I had an audience for it because I sang them in my own way. Yeah. So I, it sounded like me singing them. And I started earning a fair amount of money doing that. Nice. Okay, um, let me stop so, you for a second. Now, there's some videos yeah. of you doing that on YouTube. I yeah. watched Light My Fire, which is beautiful. You know that it'll be untrue. You know that I will be a liar. If I was to say to you, girl, we couldn't get much higher. Come on, baby, light my fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. Try to set the night on fire. Time to hesitate through. No time to wallow in the mire. So that's kind of what you do now when you play out. It's just yeah. you and an acoustic guitar singing yeah. probably some of your songs, but a lot of covers too. And there's yeah, a, exactly. there's an audience for that. Someone will, there is. a promoter yeah. will bring Jason Rowe to his club and people will show up and you'll do that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, great. Okay. Maybe and the, not in and the, the States so much, but in the UK, possibly, or Germany? In the UK, uh, and in Germany, I did it. I, I used to play in this um, Irish bar, and it got to the point where I was playing there twice a week, every week, at one point, for like a, probably for six months, because I played such a variety of music. It started off where there was five people and a dog in the audience, but by uh -huh. the end of it, there was 200, 300 people crammed in at the back. And Great. I used to play I used to play for like four hours. Oh, you know, wow. It'd be a few okay. breaks, but I just used to play. And I used to, it was so good for me. It's so good for my voice. It just, it, it, that started really taking off. And that was actually how I got signed my solo deal. Because my manager at the time, who was German, basically said to the head of this label, who I was involved with, with electronic music, but I hadn't, he'd never heard my solo stuff. Said, you've got to come and see this guy play at the yeah. Irish bar. So he came, and it's the first time an A&R man or a head of a label, he stayed from the beginning to the end, and he was on his feet as, with everybody else clapping. Nice. Okay, I got to a point where I'd rehearsed these songs so well and so much that it just, it, there, it was, so, it sounded so good because I just got to that point where I perfected how sure. to play them in my style, and um, it, it, it used to go down really, really well. Good. We're actually, well, I love actually, what I saw on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. We started, um, we're actually, funnily enough, the Jai drummer, uh, John, myself and he are, are going to um, probably do some live shows where he plays some percussion. 
It'll okay. be the same sort of material, but he'll play a little bit of percussion and sing backing vocals with me. There's a couple of areas where I live in London where there's a big audience for that sort of thing, you know, okay, on a cool. Thursday night or a sure. Friday night or something. So that's basically, you know, what I've been doing and recording Great. as well. I'm constantly okay. recording. I have a production company with a friend of mine who is a genius on Pro Tools. Like, he's Sounds absolutely good. a genius at it. And okay. he's he's a bit younger than me, but he's been kind of fighting to try and get his production work out there and, you know, going doing sort of tour management and teching and all that sort of stuff that you have to do these days because there's no sure. money. Yeah. You know, there's right. no money around anymore. Yeah. And, you know, he's not. frustrated. He's frustrated like I've been in the past. Great producer. Fantastic. Like, he can make, you know, he can make a little computer... And this Pro Tools program, Town Like uh-huh. You've Gone, recorded at Studio 2 at Abbey Road. He's Great. that good. Good. So okay. we work with him, and um, he we've been working with this little songwriter who, who he, he's, it's very weird. He can't really play that well guitar, and he can't really sing that well, but he's got a little bit of an ear for songwriting. Like, uh-huh. For whatever reason... So he lives in Las Vegas. He's going to try and get a publishing deal. But I met him through my wife, Daphne, his friends with his wife. And okay. he said, oh, I write, I write some songs. And and I said, well, why don't you send them over? I can have a listen. He said, I've never been able to find anyone to record them properly. So I said, send them over and I'll see what I can do. So, and he does like, he does a bit of every style of music you can think of from country yeah. and Western to hip hop. Because he's got no, he has no inhibitions. You know what I mean? Right. He doesn't. He doesn't yeah. have any rules. There are yeah, no rules draw in lines. his book. Yeah, whatever. You know, so, he, all. so so it's superb to work on because I can do country music. I can do a bit of hip hop. I can do like techno music, or it can be heavy rock. Yeah, it's sort of gothy. There's almost gothy inspired stuff. So it's really interesting to kind of stretch myself. Yeah. Like that. He pays us very well. He's, he, you know, he's a doctor in Las uh, Las Vegas, but he's also wow. like a, pro- a semi-professional poker player. So he has money. Oh, so wow! It's the first time I've actually earned decent money for actually recording that hasn't been a recording advance. You know what now I mean? Where somebody's make... actually paid me. So this guy, the doctor slash poker player slash producer, yeah. is paying yeah. you to record his music, his songs. So basically what he does is he sends over a scratch track of him playing an acoustic guitar or a, a uh-huh. keyboard into GarageBand, right? And then yeah. it's, it's usually very, very rough, and he'll give me an idea of what he wants a song to sound like. And so then I start working it out. Like I'll I program the drums and then, and then uh, play the instruments, play the piano, the bass, and the guitar. And then um, Paul... Um, my production partner, he comes in, sort of, we get it sounding good. If we need a live drummer and the program drums aren't really working, we'll hire a little studio and get one of our drummer friends to come in and play. And then either myself or Daphne, who also sings, yep. will do the vocal. So if they want a female vocal, uh, Daphne will do it. And it's usually, okay. you know, he wants, it to, he wants it to sound like Tina Turner or he wants it to be right. a soft ballad, whatever it is. So we've, 
try to cater it for what he wants, and then it, and then he pays us, and we produce it. And usually, nine times out of ten, he absolutely loves it. And the thing uh-huh. about that is, you also get addicted to it. It's sure. like an addiction. Hearing your songs produced oh, I bet. professionally is like an addiction. So I bet. he continues to give us songs all the time. So wow. What's yeah. the end result for these songs? I mean, where do they go? Are they released? Are you working on a try... third album? What's the plan? Uh, I, well, my, me, personally, I'm actually recording. I'm sort of getting into electronic music again. Okay. Um, after a few years of just sort of being acoustic, I'm sort of getting into electronic music. So I'm, I have a few things going on, nothing major. But okay. these days, I, I just make music, my own music. I just make it to sure. myself. I don't. Okay. Give a, a shit about what people think about it or yeah, right. it's going to sell or anything, you know. And I'll share okay. it with my friends. Okay. Know? So if you wanted to hear something at some point, I would share it with you. I would love it. Never for that to come out. The plan is just for you to kind of do that to satisfy yourself and keep if, it if it did, hidden yeah, away. I mean, if it did come out, that would be that would be fantastic. The, 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 my my actual now we've moved into our house. I actually have a proper studio. Okay. Like I have my own space to record. In our last apartment, it was a sizable apartment, but it was only one bedroom, uh, and so my yeah. studio was in our living area. Okay. So uh, now I've got a separate room for it, and I'm planning on sort of setting it up properly and yeah. maybe doing some proper recording. And also, w- I would probably try and release it myself. Well, um, you should. I mean, you talk about how popular your shows are with the you and yeah. the acoustic guitar. If nothing yeah. else, it'd be nice to have a little, you know, something to sell at those shows. Ten, exactly. twelve pounds for your new album yeah. and. Maybe exactly. talk about not wanting to be famous. You don't have to deal with anything except just no. selling your wares at your shows to people yeah, who would exactly. care. Yeah, exactly. That's the plan. That is okay, the plan. good, 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 good. And in the meantime, um, while you're doing this, just to confirm, you're able to pay your bills and buy a house and all this kind of stuff with the various we, music yeah. projects that you have out there. Yeah, yes. Great. Yeah. And is Daphna, yeah. I mean, so we got to establish – for people who don't know, your wife Daphna was one of the finalists on that in excess rock star uh, yeah. reality competition that yeah. happened a while, you know, a few years ago. So she is also still today a professional musician, or 
What's her um, story? She she does she she works as well. I, my father also has a business. He basically does a lot of renewable energy do and, and solar panels and all that sort of green energy stuff. He's he's older right. now, but he he still loves doing it. So um, both myself and Daphna also help him whenever okay. he if because I became very computer literate quite quickly when I had right. to start stuff myself. So I I help him. She helps him. Um, she also goes out to work in an office. Okay. Um, also, you know, the music gives us more income, and then she also writes. Okay. Um, that's basically her main love is writing. She's working on a book at the moment. Oh, interesting. Um, which she's been working on for a while. It's it's a fairly deep book. And also, she 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 studied international relations, so she's quite involved with politics, particularly because she's Jewish. Okay. You know the things that are happening in Israel, uh-huh. what's happening here with the rise of anti-Semitism and within yep. some of the political parties over here, which is very disturbing. So she has obviously a a voice for that. So she okay. She gets to sort of write pieces for different um, political online kind of news okay. newspapers, if you like. Is she um, American? I don't even know. Is she yes. American? Or, she is American. Yes, How she's from New yes. I actually met her in Los Angeles when I was recording Love Life. She was working at a studio that is connected to the Sunset Marquee Hotel. Oh, okay, yep. So that's where we mixed the records. And I, she was working in the studio, and I asked her to come and sing on a track, some sort of Middle Eastern yep. wailing in the back. And so she it was perfect for the track, and she, so she did that. And then sure. we became friends at first. And it was just as social media was starting to take off. It was MySpace at the time, I think. And then right. Facebook sort of came out a year later. And then we just reconnected a few years, or a couple of years later, I guess. And then we got together. Uh, and then right. she moved to moved to London. Cool. Okay. This is cool, man. This I have been I've been so curious where you went for so many years because I yeah. still I play heaven to this day and I love it. And I was thinking, where did this guy go? Now I want to know. I want to talk about stories. I want to hear some yeah. of your fun stories from at any point in your career. But I mean, there was a moment there when you were kind of the hot new thing. Yeah. And what, you know, did you get to meet any of your heroes? Did you get to collaborate with people? Uh, Daphna told me to ask you about a, a funny Mick Jagger story that you have. Oh, my God, yes. So my tell me some of these things. Okay, all right. This this is a, this is a brilliant, this is a brilliant story. Um, one of the reasons why I never regret the kind of fame thing happening or whatever my ex-girlfriend is the daughter of the designer Tommy Hilfiger, right? Oh, wow. Okay. So I went out of her for a couple of years. Anyway, we end up going to Mystique, you know, the island in the in the Caribbean. So okay. we're on this island, and it's basically all famous people. There are sure. There's nobody else that, that, that A, can afford any of these places. Right. These, places are, these places are ridiculous, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> So it's sort of around Christmas time. You go there and it's always hot and lovely. And uh-huh. he had a Tommy had a beautiful house. It was just like how the other half lived. 
however famous I might, might have got, it was never going to be to the Tommy Hilfiger's level. So I was sort of living this sort of weird life. Anyway, so it's New Year's Eve, and we're going to Mick Jagger's house, as you do, obviously. Oh my, of course, and, uh, who doesn't, right? He comes up to me. I go up to him. I haven't met him before. He's known the Hilfiger family for many years, and he comes up to me and says, all right, Jason, my name's Mick. And I thought, I thought to myself, yeah, no fucking shit. Of course you are. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're the biggest rock star on the planet. <laughs> and and he cooks me a steak. He, Mick Jagger, what? cooked me a steak. What? As, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I like, so I just, I rang up everybody I knew the next day. I said, this. There's no way that anyone is ever going to take that away from me. No kidding. Mick Jagger cooks me a steak. Medium rare. It's very good. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and then yes. I sat down. I, the funny thing is, I there was no other English people. It was all uh-huh. Americans. So I sat down next to him during the course of the evening. And I knew that he's a massive cricket fan. Uh-huh. He was either going to be a, a professional cricket fan or certainly a cricket player for one of the bigger teams in England, or he was going to be Mick Jagger. He was like that into cricket. So I sat down with him for like three hours and we just spoke about cricket. That that oh, was basically man. all we spoke about. I didn't speak about the Rolling Stones. Nothing. I actually didn't want to speak about that. Do you know sure, what I mean? he I probably to ever... loved the fact that he didn't have to that time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were there for hours and no, none of the Americans understood what the hell we were talking about. Of course. Because there are obviously terms in cricket that yeah. just you know. So um wow. yeah, that was that was a pretty amazing that's a pretty amazing story. Were there other um, famous people we might know at this party? Yeah, Brian Adams. Um, oh I love Brian, Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Uh <laughs> who else was there? Wow. It's just the uh, whole no, other I'm, universe that most people It is and never, it's very, very see. strange. Yeah, it's yeah. just very strange because I come from a really small town, you know, which is a working class place. I yeah. always consider myself working class. I know, you know, people like Paul McCartney or Mick Jagger, they come from a kind of working class or middle class background. But, right. you know, that soon change, that changes oh, very quickly. transcended that so far. You know, they, yeah. Yeah, and, and suddenly your life, you know, is is made up of people serving you, yeah. you know? It, yeah. it doesn't matter Goodness. how cool you are. That's kind of what happens. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're completely served upon, you know? Yeah. And it's a weird thing. You get thing. everything you want, yep. Because Tommy comes from absolutely nothing. One of nine kids, like, proper, proper poor background. Wow. And now he's got, like, you know, he's got cleaners and servants and, Houses here and houses there. He's a lovely guy, but that's what they expect. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. That's what they expect out of life. I don't get that. At no, all. that's just poor. That's not right? my thing at all. Okay. You know, okay. I'm very yeah. happy with what I've got. Good. Um, and I, I'm, you know, obviously, I've been incredibly lucky to have done anything yep. Yep. <laughs> in the music yep. industry. Yep. Let me ask you kind of a weird question. I don't even yeah. know if you'll know what I'm talking about, but I seem to remember a while back, maybe 10 years ago or so, that yeah. Tommy Hilfiger and Axl Rose got in a fight somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. Were you in the Hillfinger universe during this thing? Yeah, I was there. What? What? Now, what was that? I don't even remember the specifics. I just remember that uh, being like a headline. Basically, Tommy can be quite funny and quite sort of sarcastic, okay. and um, which is unusual, actually, in a sort of born and bred American to have sure. a sort of English kind of sense of humor. Now, sometimes English sense of humor can get you into trouble. Right, uh, it, uh-huh. it, if they don't, if if he don't understand what the humour is, and I think he made some sort of flippant comment to, towards Axl Rose, who, to be honest, is a, is a, is a moron. It was like it was like watching two sort of thirteen-year-old girls sort of flap <laughs> at each other, you know. And I thought to myself, I always thought that Axl Rose was supposed to be quite handy as a sort of. Hooligan, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. But uh-huh. no, nah. it was like uh-huh. a couple of girls having oh, a pillow man. fight. It was horrific. Uh-huh. And, and you were there enough, Tom, in the room when yeah, this was t- happening. Yeah, I, I, I sort of tried to kind of maybe get involved, but in the end, the bodyguards took over. And no way. That was the end of that. But no way. It, wow. it, was, it was so funny. A couple of girls. That's great. Yes. Okay. Wow, I can't believe I thought of that and that you were there. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I want to know also, I mean, I don't know if you have other stories similar to Mix. or Now, you did a tour of the States. Were you opening for somebody or were you no, on your we own? Were very, we were very well treated by our tour guy, a guy called Jimmy. What was his second name? It's a long time ago. Uh, he was part of ICM, I think. Okay. They were good. They were good live agents, and what they wanted to do was put us in selected places where we could draw enough people that yeah. we wouldn't need a support band. It okay. made us look a little bit more special. It gave us a little bit more credibility. We had done a few tours over here supporting people that we thought it just didn't make any sense. It was either bands that had been around for years, like ABC. We supported ABC over here. Oh, I love here. ABC, but yeah, we and, um, together. And it, and it was it was towards the end of their career. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. they're older. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the audience don't want to hear a new band. They just want to go yeah. and sing ABC songs. Yeah. So we'd done all of that, and we just thought, okay, we've got to create an, an atmosphere here. Yep. So that's yep. that's what we did. So we played small selected places, slightly bigger in some places. We played a great okay. place called Bimbo's in San Francisco, which is quite oh, yeah. big. Been there. Been and we there completely, yeah. We completely sold it out. Nice. Um, Roxy in uh, Los Angeles, which is amazing. There sure. were about fifty supermodels in the audience. It was nice. There you go. Very, <laughs> very, very off-putting. And we played a place in New York called Fez, which is tiny. Um, But the great thing about that was there was a queue all the way around the block. Nice, great. Trying to get in. Did you play Middle America very much? We did. Like, I was in college in Utah at the time, which is like, you know, Podunksville. I can't imagine you ever passed through. We didn't do Utah. We did Cleveland. Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, we were going to do Houston, but that got cancelled for some reason. Then we did Chicago, Detroit. Um, okay. 
So the bigger markets, you hit most of the them. The bigger markets, okay. yeah. Okay. And we sold we sold out pretty much everywhere we played, and they were probably the majority of them were probably the size of the Roxy or Bimbo's bit bigger. Okay. You know. Yeah, a few hundred. This is something I'm curious about, and hopefully this doesn't make you uncomfortable or anything. But you mentioned the mm-hmm. supermodels and stuff. Yeah. Maybe this is a, my so. You're out in 97 with your high-pitched falsetto. You're very pretty. Yeah. You're very stylized. Was there any ever question about maybe your sexuality or any sort of marketing to a, I don't know, to a gay demographic? Were you ever well, playing they, with any we of the were, gender bending? Yeah, well, we were quite big in the in the gay community in the States and over here, actually. Okay. Um, uh, originally... I wanted to play more with it. Um, really? Okay. Mainly because my heroes had played with it their entire Works. careers. And I was Rex like... and Bowie, we just talked about because, that. Yep. Yeah, because of my voice, I was like, you know what? Let's have no picture on the front. You're not going to know whether I'm male or female. Yep. Half the time people were like, are you... You know, they would, when they first heard the music, it was like, is this like a, a black girl singing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So... For it to be like a skinny white guy from from a working class town in you know southwest England, yeah. I thought it was very interesting to play on that. Yeah, okay. and we kind of did to start with, but unfortunately, what happened, and this happens to a lot of people, if you're you know seen as being kind of good looking, uh, any yeah. I'm not saying that I'm beautiful or anything, but my face, I'm very lucky. My parents are good looking. Yeah. So I have the jeans. Well, and you looked great in, during that time in the suit and the hair yeah. and everything. Yeah. They so treated you we well. Were, so they were, they were trying, you know, they wanted the pop angle. Whereas okay. I was quite interested yeah. in, you know, creating a kind of, who the fuck is this person? Yeah. You know I mean? And they wanted a pinup. They wanted yeah. a handsome pop idol. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was curious about that. If there was, you know, like, I, you said this makes sense playing around with that i don't know if you know there's a there's a group that came out um a year or two ago called rye do you know who they are very similar no, the, the lead okay the lead singer is a guy and his voice is even more high pitched than yours their album right. is called woman but it's two yeah. men who just sound very you know effeminate anyway it's really good stuff but i could see you sort of along those same lines okay yeah, you know, I was it was just it was one of those things where because I did, you know, I don't look particularly uh, effeminate, it made it even more of a juxtaposition as far as I was concerned because when people yep. did see me, I was dressed very manly and with the suits and you know, and but there was a sensitivity to the music that I thought, you know, you can play with that so sure. well, you know, it, yeah. it, it is almost it's almost the sort of opposite of Bowie, where his music was very aggressive at the time he was wearing makeup, but he was very womanly looking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yep. so that was what I was trying to, okay. to sort of accomplish yeah. with that. Sense. Yep. Okay. So, okay, so last little bit. Now, do you, at, this, at that time, I mean, the, to Americans, we're experiencing a sort of, another sort of British invasion with, you know, Oasis yeah. and Blur and The Verve. Mm and Radiohead and all these kind of bands, it was yep. the perfect moment to launch a British singer like you. Did you yes. ever kind of rub shoulders with any of those people? I I don't know if you would have seen 
the Gallagher brothers at a party somewhere? And oh, I've so, yeah, I've, so I've, I've seen them around. Like, I've, I've seen um, more Liam. I'd seen more Liam than Noel. Because Liam okay. was a bit more out in, the, in London, uh, mainly in Camden. What's your take on them? Do you... Because I, uh, I, I love, love Oasis. Not, They're one of my favorite bands. But they take yeah. a lot of crap here in the States because they turned off so many people with their personalities. And those people, my feeling is they're not even really listening. They're just put off by these people and what they're saying, so they never listen. The, uh, the thing that I think that a lot of, um, I, I don't, uh, you know, I have a, you know, a lot of American friends, and I love America, but there is a, a sense of humor block. Yeah, And, you sure know, is. where those boys are kind of taking the piss out of themselves, really. Yep. And, yep. you know, I, I'm pretty sure that if you were to sit, Noel Gallagher down and talk to him. He's not going to say that he's as good as the Beatles. No, no. You know, in re- in reality. Yeah. But it Noel Gallagher is one of the best interviews you would ever hear. Oh, he's so he funny and clever and self-effacing. But the funny stuff, it doesn't translate to the States. And so they see this no. really arrogant guy and they're put yeah. off by it. Yeah. And I know that they aren't truly listening. Yeah, that's my and feeling. That, and the thing is about this is it's honesty. You know... Uh, uh, the the problem is that if you're faking humility, right? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than that. And there are so many yeah. of those kind of artists that fake humility and they're actually, they actually are assholes. Whereas yeah. Noel yeah. Gallagher would be acting like an asshole, but he actually he's a great guy. That's yeah. the, the sort of difference. And cool. the honesty also will stands people like Noel Gallagher in good stead because they're not, if you're not being fake, you haven't got to hide yeah. from anything. And yeah. also, it, people that hide and don't show their real personality, it leads to drugs, alcohol problems, and all that stuff because they can't be their real self with anyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that that's the... the uh, all, any artist that I've ever liked, they've always been completely honest. Whether yeah. it be Prince or, you know, they did their own thing, their totally. own rules... I always thought that Oasis should have been bigger than they were in the States, but I got the reason why they weren't. Yeah, we just didn't get it. Mm. We didn't get it well enough, and uh, we listened to, we didn't understand where they were coming from. And I yeah. hate it, because I think they're, I love them. They're one of my favorite bands. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're one wonderful band, and his, his, Noel Gallagher's solo stuff is amazing as well. It sure is. Um, I love it just so much, actually, yep. Yeah, I, I, some of it is even better because he's a yeah. little bit more open-minded as he's gotten older to different types of music, yeah. which can only sort of enhance his songwriting. So I think his yeah. songwriting's actually got... You, I mean, you can't be in your mid-40s and still singing rock and roll stuff. It's just... You, you just... <laughs> the guys that do that are right. ridiculous. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Well, good. Okay, well, I, I thought, I mean, that's everything I wanted to talk to you about. Do you cool. have any other stories you can think of? Anything else you want to share? Um, when I did that gig at the Roxy, uh-huh. we were supposed to do a meet and greet with all these models afterwards. And I basically completely lost it <laughs> and went I back bet. to my hotel room on my own. <laughs> what? Why? And the rest of the band all part, because I just, I didn't, it just, it was like it, it was ridiculous. Overwhelming, just overwhelming yeah. to. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, you don't have to go into detail if you don't want, but I look at you and I think of the time period. 
you must have been like catnip to the ladies back then. But and you probably loved America. it. Yeah, in America. Yeah, in America, exactly. Because women love anyone with a British accent, yeah. let alone a guy as good-looking as you were with the music that was as sexy as yours was. It's the yeah, complete it was... package. I did okay. okay. I bet you did. <laughs> I, did okay. I bet you did. Yeah. Right on. No, all good. No regrets. It was all good. Good. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Jason, for talking to me. Oh, last question. What? Where did Jai come from? Why um, did you call yourself it Jai? comes from a Beatles song called Across the Universe. And the yeah. chorus is John Lennon says, Jai Guru Diva, and I just really liked it. Oh, um, okay. And, and, and I wanted it to be a project rather than just a solo okay. with. And because there were so many people working on it with me, I was more comfortable being sort of somebody else than I was uh-huh. being being myself. And I, I liked that band sort of mentality. Okay. Obviously, okay. the record company focused on me, and because I was the main songwriter, it, it did sort of make sense to do it like that. But I kind of always looked at that as a project rather okay. than a, me being being Jai. That people yeah. just sort of saw me as Jai, so okay. that's that's how it sort of Got stuck, it. really. Okay. Well, uh, this is fun, man. I have been fascinated by you for 20 years, and I've always wondered what became of you, and I'm really glad yeah. that you're happy with where you are and settled, and you're making a living as a musician, which you deserve because yeah. you're good at it. So thank yeah. you so much for talking to me. This is like a 20-year buildup. Uh, that's finally come through so thank you so much all right there you have it jai jason Rowe. i love that guy i've always wondered whatever happened to him and you guys will have to tell me what you think i mean the whole purpose of this podcast is to shed light on the artists that deserve more attention to honor them to give them an opportunity to sort of tell their stories and hopefully turn people on to their music if they haven't already heard it But there are times when I just want to shoot the breeze with these people. And Jason seems like the coolest guy to just sit and rap about Bowie, Prince, Oasis, anything. Because you know he's going to share his opinion with you. I might have to find a way to either merge those two things in one. Because I don't want to take anything away from their opportunity to talk about themselves. But I also want to shoot the breeze about this other stuff. I might have to have him on again. Maybe we do a bonus episode at some time. I don't know. I just really want to pick that guy's brain some more because I think he's great. And I hope you guys heard some music that you like. And wasn't that one of the best Mick Jagger stories you've ever heard? Could you imagine chewing on a piece of steak that was cooked by Mick Jagger? That is crazy to me. And the fact that Jason was in the room during that Tommy Hilfiger Axl Rose thing? That is nuts. Anyway, cool guy. I love that. All right. If this is the first time you're listening to us, this is what I need you to do. Go into iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Go into the archives. See if there are some other episodes of people who you like that you haven't heard from for a while. Check them out. If you like them, write us a review. It can be a good review or a bad review. I don't really care. But please write us a review. Only the last 50 episodes are in iTunes. So if you want to go to our webpage, thehustle.podbean.com, all our older episodes are in there too. You can find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can stay in communication with me that way. 
or you can send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. And I always open this up. If there is somebody that you love that you haven't heard from for a long time that you would like me to track down and get on this podcast, send me a message in any way you want. Also on Twitter, at The Hustle Pod. Let me know and I'll get to work on it. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich for producing the podcast. Thank you, Yan, for everything. Come back next Tuesday when we release our third and final episode with a one-named artist. This time we're going back to the 80s, but this time we're talking to a lady. You're going to love it. We'll talk to you then. I'm